Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Art Radio. I am thankful that God directed you to our podcast, and uh, please tell your friends uh, also about this podcast. This ministry uh, is dedicated to the blood-bought saints of Jesus, period, and it is imperative that as believing ones, we acknowledge on a moment-by-moment basis who we are and whose we are. So uh, we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ because we believe and we know that Jesus died for us in order to rescue us uh, from, from sin. And that is the bottom line. He is, he is our Savior, and we, He is our Redeemer. And He is the one who purchased us out of the slave market of sin. And so we give God thanks for the great gift of His Son. Uh, every day I'm thankful uh, for God's salvation. Now, uh, before we uh, get started, I want to ask you a prayer. Uh, your prayers for my family. I rarely, if ever, uh, do I ask for mon- uh, monetary support. I mainly need prayer support. Uh, bringing the word of God to you as I do uh, is costly. And uh, I need prayer for both myself, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. So I ask you to pray for us as we minister to you uh, we belong, we are members one of another, and so please pray for my family and I. Thank you. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we begin our study this evening, I want to give you thanks for our Savior. I thank you for the time, Lord, that you, uh, that you provide for us in order to meet with your people around your word. And so we ask that the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, would teach us tonight that we may feast uh, together on the bread of life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be, uh, the title of this uh, teaching tonight uh, is, What is the Passover? What is the Passover? Uh, This was one of the most pivotal events in salvation history. And so uh, we're going to be studying from Exodus chapters uh, 11 and 12. Now, uh, uh, the entrance uh, into Egypt by the Israelites uh, was between 710 and uh, 1690 B.C. The Exodus event uh, happened between 1280 and 1260 B.C. So uh, 
keep in mind that Pharaoh uh, is a type of Satan. Egypt uh, is a type uh, of, of, uh, of the world. And Egyptian slavery uh, is a type of sin. And so I want you to keep those, those truths in mind as we study uh, about the Passover and, and what it means. Um, God, uh, through Moses, uh, is going to deliver his people. Moses is the deliverer. And, and as such, he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ our deliverer. And so <clears throat> this is a, a the, the book of Exodus uh, means the way out, the way out of sin, the way out of slavery through the deliverer. So this is a very important book for believers to understand. Uh, before we go any further, I also let me say that magic uh, was inextricably bound up with Egyptian religion, uh, which was demon-controlled idolatry, uh, and it was uh, very gross. So uh, the miracles performed by the magicians were manifestations of what we call eosupernaturalism. So they were similar to the demonic powers operating in spiritism and occultism today. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3.8, uh, Paul writes about Janus and Jambres, uh, who were two of these demon-controlled miracle workers. So also, I want you to know that similar uh, deluding signs uh, will characterize the rise of the Antichrist uh, and the end of this age. And for that, please read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, verses 9 uh, through 12. So uh, the Lord made seven demands of Pharaoh. Chapter uh, Exodus 5.1, Exodus 7.16, Exodus 8.1, Exodus 8.20, Exodus 9.1, Exodus 9.13, and Exodus 10.3. And so uh, after each demand, now notice these are demands, numbers instead of completeness, the number of completeness. Uh, Pharaoh believes himself to be God, and as as a type of Satan, he is the God of this age. He is the God of this age. And so uh, Yahweh it does not appeal to him as an equal uh, because Yahweh is king of kings and lords of lords. Uh, he made seven demands of Pharaoh and they were refused. And so the king, uh, that is Pharaoh, uh, cruelly imposed heavier burdens uh, requiring the same number of bricks. And then at one point he compelled or forced the Israelites to gather their own straw. So uh, this this was a very torturous type of slavery. 
sin is indeed torturous slavery, is it not? So uh, Pharaoh doesn't care about the Israelites. He just wants them uh, to provide uh, for his economic well-being, period. They're just useful. They're just tools uh, for his end. He cared nothing about their well-being. And the devil cares nothing for, for the well-being of unbelievers. They're, they're, they're tools to him to carry out his purposes, period. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the deliverer. He is, God is still uh, there uh, to bring people to himself. God is still changing lives in a very powerful uh, manner. Even at the end of this age, now, a long time ago, this, people used to refer to this age as the church age, dispensationalist. Uh, and so, but notice the radical change that has occurred in this, uh, this age. Now, it, it is a technocratic theocracy. And these individuals want uh, to uh, have people bow to uh, artificial intelligence. They want people involved uh, in the metaverse. And so uh, they want uh, one of the uh, CEOs of one of these drug companies said recently that there's something wrong with our DNA. And so these vaccines are there to repair or even make better human DNA. Now, there is a lot in that statement that he is not going to say, but that, that, that is a deep and compelling message uh, because uh, these people uh, are also transhumanists. And so this is a... Uh, this new religion, uh, this new uh, cult uh, of pharmacia is old. And there's much information in the Word of God uh, about uh, how old this cult is. So, um, so Pharaoh uh, will not let... Uh, He's not going to release God's people. Every, uh, every time Moses speaks to him, Pharaoh has something to say, and uh, he, he makes conditions. Uh, he has conditions that he wants uh, Moses to accept, and Moses cannot, uh, and Moses will not. He is there uh, to say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord is his message, and his message does uh, does not change. Now, once again, there were there were ten uh, plagues that 
God brought upon the Egyptians. And so it is the tenth plague that we are concerned uh, about tonight. And so we, would, we need to read uh, Exodus uh, chapter, chapters 11 and 12. Chapter 11, verse 1 reads, quote, Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Notice the language, silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. You see, look. Notice what God has done after all of the judgments. And this is the 10th plague that he has, uh, beginning of the 10th plague that he has brought up on the Egyptians. Notice what God is able to do. Uh, remember that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, uh, if you're facing a hardship in your life, or something you feel or believe that's impossible, uh, how big is your God? And notice what God, God has done here. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord said. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me, saying, go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Now, notice what God is doing here. So there is a hardening of the heart and and, uh, it will be used by God. Notice. So Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Now, this doctrine of hardening of the heart is very important. 
So what does it mean? And we see God's sovereign uh, will over Pharaoh's heart. So God has his sovereign, his sovereign will rules over our hearts too. The, the, the writers in Proverbs know that the way of, of, of man is not within himself. The road, the way of man, of, of the way of a man is not within himself. We are finite beings. We are limited beings. God is infinite. We depend upon him. We, uh, and that dependency is because, uh, because of our limitations. We are finite. And by definition, once again, limited. But Pharaoh wanted to believe that he could exercise his will against Yahweh. And uh, so he refused to let God's people go, which was a command. The Lord, Yahweh, commanded Pharaoh. And in his stubbornness, uh, he refused the will of God in spite of the evidence of what the plagues were doing and what God was able to do to overrule Pharaoh and his magicians and their magic and their, uh, their dark uh, rites, God overthrew Pharaoh. And uh, there, there is a word that's used in Hebrew uh, uh, for God's judgment upon Egypt, and it is the word mockery. So God made a mockery of all of Pharaoh and the, the gods of Egypt. So, uh, the, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. This is the setting. This is the background for this final contest, and God already knows that he has won, but the stubbornness and the obstinacy, this is an obstinate uh, uh, and deceived heart. He believes, that is Pharaoh believes, he can fight with God, and throughout the pages of scripture, there are men who are kings and other uh, uh, other people who believe they can. God is always astonishing to me as I read over and over again just the nuances of, of, of these individuals. And why would they believe they could defy the will of God? They could object uh, to the will of God. They could overstep uh, divinely established boundaries. Uh, and just read Isaiah chapter 1. And uh, Isaiah there gives uh, a summary uh, of, the, of what God's people had become. It, it is a for, Isaiah 1 is, is a forensic chapter. Uh, from head to toe, they were sick. They were ill because of sin. 
And sin had not only destroyed them in their own persons, but also inflation. Uh, please read Haggai. And also in Isaiah, God brought in inflation. They would sow a lot, but bring in little. That was because of sin. And here uh, you have, uh, so we go to chapter 12, verse 1, we read, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Aaron in Egypt, now notice, this month uh, is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Now, God has already set up the contest, this final contest between he and Pharaoh. And at the beginning of chapter 12, God says to Moses and Aaron, uh, he talks to them about their new beginning. Because God has already seen the end of this contest with Pharaoh. Pharaoh is doomed. He's going to lose. And so God begins what? God moves on from there, and he sets up uh, the new beginning for his own. You and I have a new beginning, a brand new, qualitative, qualitatively new beginning in Christ. But what are you going to do with that new beginning? Build uh, that new beginning that you have in Christ. Build upon the build your lives upon the rock that is Jesus, because as sure as you are born in this cosmic system, the floods going to come, the winds going to blow, the waves going to break against your house. But guess what? It will not fail or fall because your house. The foundation was made deep in Jesus. We will all have challenges. We will face challenges in this life. They have the first month of the first month of your year. Now, what is God doing? God has now God has moved his people out from the old system of sin, that's slavery, that's Egypt, he's moved them out from the old system. And God has placed them within his theocracy. He has moved them out of the old system of enslavement and idolatry, and he has given them a brand new life. So, tell the whole community, verse 3, of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Read Leviticus chapter 1. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Uh, I like, in Hebrew, it reads, between the evenings. 
I love that. I just, it's really wonderful. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any uh, of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. There's so much in these verses. Pesha is the Hebrew name for Passover. So at the beginning, we have uh, the month, uh, uh, we have uh, the wonderful picture here of, of redemption. And we have the importance of the family unit emphasized in verse 3. The family unit uh, is of major importance to God. No nation is stronger than the families of that nation. Amen. No nation is stronger than the families of that nation. So we see the primacy of the family. We have a brand new year. We have a brand new month. And the emphasis now is what? Is on family. These people, God's people, never had that emphasis in bondage, in slavery, in Egypt. But now they have that. And they have uh, that intimacy. And in the midst of that family, intimacy is whom? The lamb. And the lamb here is typical of Jesus, the lamb of God. The lamb must be roasted uh, because here, this picture, the lamb here pictures the wrath of God. Jesus suffered for our sins. And so the, the, the lamb uh, that, that the, the God's people had to prepare had to be prepared because what is God doing? God is teaching his people. He is teaching his people. Uh, they did not have formal education. They were slaves. So he teaches them through acts and rituals. Sacred rituals are important for the people of God. It is really amazing that we have discarded uh, the importance of sacred rituals, uh, the, the importance of sacred space. Sacred space is important. And for believers, sacred space is what? It's your heart. That's your sacred space. That should be dedicated unto none other uh, than the Lord. That is his space that, that you share with him and, and wherein you fellowship with the Lord. You need that sacred space. 
if you don't have sacred space, then everything will rush in upon you and you will be under a load of care. You will be burdened in ways that you cannot imagine because you don't have a sacred space where you can go and commune with your Lord. Things are going to come at you. Uh, James chapter 1. Uh, James speaks of us as being surrounded by trials. Man, I'll tell you, when I first, uh, many years ago when I studied that, and we studied it and studied it and studied it again, that, that was so alarming to me, surrounded by trials. He said, and James talks about joy in the midst of trials. Uh, and he, he was a mature believer. So his perspective was different. And so I had to grow in maturity to understand his perspective because carnal believers, baby believers, sophomore believers, they don't understand what James is saying, but they have to grow up into him in all things. And as a mature believer, uh, and so I mean, he writes as a spiritually mature believer, and so we grow up in, in our understanding of the word of God. And um, so the animals you choose must be your old males without defect. They, they can have no blemishes because uh, uh, they represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Read the book of Malachi and read about the carnality of believers who brought before God animals that were lame and blind. And just think, uh, about that attitude. There was no concept of a sacred space. Uh, that did not exist for them. And so, well, we can just bring God or take anything to God. He'll accept it. Why would you treat your Savior that way? Whereas David, on the other hand, wrote, you know, I cannot, you know, offer him that which costs me nothing. That was David's attitude. And then you read the contrast in Malachi. Believers, in verse 7, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. And notice, they they feed, they, they feast on the lamb. We, you and I, must feed on Jesus, the bread of life. That same evening, they are to eat uh, the meat uh, roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs. The bitter herbs are symbolic of their bondage. You remember what slavery was like and what it had done to, to, to them, how it what evil had been perpetrated upon the people of God. And bread made without yeast. Yeast is a type of, of sin. And so they are to eat bread without yeast. So this, this is what God said. Do not uh, eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. 
did not leave any till the morning. Verse 12, God says, God wants them to eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Well, what is this? So, verse 12, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and spread down every firstborn, man and animal, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Now, notice the language. Notice what God is doing. God says, God is moving in judgment now. He says, I will pass through. God has entered. God says he's going to enter. He has been uh, in Pharaoh's house. God has made a mockery of Pharaoh and his gods. And God says, I'm going to pass through Egypt unobstructed. No one's going to get in his way. Here again, the divine warrior is moving. And I'm going to strike down every firstborn. What can Pharaoh do? What can Pharaoh say? What can his magicians do or say? What can Pharaoh's remaining generals say or do? Psalm 2 tells me that when Jesus comes to set up his millennial kingdom, a literal 1,000-year kingdom, he is going to rule with a rod of iron. And no one will oppose him. The, uh, at the, uh, the last battle in the Valley of Megiddo, they will be uh, men and their machines and their hybrids and their clones and their abhorrent uh, uh, cyborg, their, their, their human uh, animal creatures will be uh, arrayed against God. And they're going to be there uh, for this great battle, and, uh, which is called the Battle of, uh, of Armageddon. So, Armageddon. And God says here, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. God says, I will bring unobstructed, unopposed. I am the Lord. Don't you love that? Don't you love the way uh, this is not arrogance on the part of God. I am. I am the Lord. No one can stop me. No one can escape me. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. The I am brought in the great flood that destroyed the antediluvian civilization. 
there are many kingdoms throughout the honeycombed earth. There uh, There are kingdoms on the water. There are kingdoms on the land. There are fossils of, of seashells on, to, on mountaintops. There are uh, palm trees in the North Pole. There are creatures uh, who are indigenous to warm, warmer climates uh, encased in ice in the North and in the South Pole. We have all this evidence. And we have no evidence of the fake transitional creatures that they say that they, uh, that they do paintings of and drawings of. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. If that would sink into our spirits and in our hearts, man, uh, so much would change about our lives. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, notice what's going on here. So uh, the death angel is coming, and he's bringing, notice what this is called in this verse. It is called a plague. Now, uh, it is a disease that is going to strike the Egyptians, the firstborn, uh, people and animals. And God says, I'm going to bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt, too. And so we read that no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, is this bubonic plague? Bubonic plague is highly deadly. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it, from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. And another one on the seventh day, do not work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate, or 17, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. The language is very important. God did not say crowds. God wrote uh, the sacred writer has here. Moses wrote divisions. We have... A new year, new month, we have the celebration of family, and God makes a difference. We have separation from that which is unholy. I brought out your divisions. God said, celebrate. When we're in, in, in Egypt, there's nothing to celebrate. 
celebrate, celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance. From the, in the first month you are to eat bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening on the 21st day. Verse 21, then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your family and slaughter the Passover lamb. And so the Passover is what? The Passover is about divine redemption. It is about what God has done on behalf of his people. Go at once. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood and uh, into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on the both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Now, this is very important for us when I see the blood, when he sees the blood, when the Lord sees the blood. Uh, how does God see us? He will see the blood. He sees us through Jesus. God looks at me and he sees the blood of his son. God looks at you. He sees the blood of his son. He sees the blood. And then there are believers who want to walk around with their self-imposed guilt about stuff they believe they're too sinful for, uh, for God to forgive. God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised. Observe this ceremony. Observe the ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover. Sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded. And Moses. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, born of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing. In Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go. And also, bless me. When you read the word of God, when you read the scripture, 
isn't it very different from cartoons and little storybooks that people put Be edified with the word and let the word speak God's truth to your hearts. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.